0: That needs to be stuck in there, in the to the um, into the machine, like in the USB, and I think it'll work. It'll work. Yeah, and just anywhere there. I was getting worried because it didn't have Obadiah up there, and I thought, where'd my words disappear to? And I thought we might be in trouble. We still may be in trouble, but we'll go through it. So uh, I've been assigned the topic of Obadiah. I have never taught Obadiah in my life, so this has been an opportunity for me to study and learn. I hope it'll be an opportunity for you to learn. Um and Neil did a great job of kind of giving us an outline of the Minor Prophets uh, last week. Uh, he covered so much material in that short time. I can assure you one thing, this North Alabama boy cannot speak as fast as uh, Neil or Hiram. Uh, but, and I tried to make the, the sheet where you can, um, uh, it won't be difficult for you to answer the uh, questions tonight. On uh, Obadiah, but I have enjoyed studying and preparing, and as always, I I learn more um, from preparing to teach um, than I do sitting in class. So I appreciate the opportunity uh, to to stay. But as was mentioned um, even last week, the uh, the name for Obadiah means servant of the Lord, and the topic of the book is that God takes down a prideful nation. And so uh, that's what the topic of Obadiah is. And so if we go into the book, just kind of keeping that in mind, we'll have it. But just a simple outline of what we're going to talk about tonight. uh, I'll give you a background of the book. Uh, We're also going to have information about Edom, and we'll say why here in a minute. Um, Really, Edom is um, who the book's addressing uh, the nation of Edom if if you will Um, and then we'll look at the text itself and then um, uh, most importantly um, practical lessons that we can learn from Obadiah and I will say the first I would say four or five times I read the book I thought okay what kind of lessons can I walk away from this Uh, but Uh, the more I dove into it and understood the background a little bit more and who it was written to, uh, there really are quite a few practical lessons that we can uh, learn uh, from this book. But uh, let's just look at uh, a little bit on the background of the book and I hope you can see uh, some of these things. First of all, little is known about the prophet Obadiah himself. Matter of fact, we don't know much about his... Uh, who Obadiah is. There are 13 people uh, in the Old Testament that are named Obadiah. We don't know if one of those 13 wrote Obadiah or if none of the 13 wrote Obadiah, uh, but there are 13 people um, named Obadiah in there. There's popular speculations about uh, some of who um, Obadiah could be. Um one includes Ahab's servant in 1 Kings 18 3. Another possibility that could be Ahaziah's captain in 2 Kings 1 13 through 15, or a servant of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 17:7. Uh, 7. Again, really none of that matters uh, as far as us learning um, the message of Obadiah and taking uh, that out. What Um, We do know, like um, Neil mentioned, that um, this is one of the early prophets, but the exact date is kind of debated. Uh, It could be one of, um, really, I guess consensus goes to one of two times um, that um, Obadiah was written. Uh, This does speak to um, Jerusalem being invaded and what happened, what Edom did when Jerusalem was being invaded. And so this Obadiah was written in response uh, to that invasion. Well, Jerusalem was invaded four different times. Uh, the first time was when Shishak, the king of Egypt, in 1 Kings 14, invaded uh, Jerusalem. Um, and it's also accounted in uh, 2 Chronicles 12. Or Jehorans, during Jehoram's reign, uh, the Philistines and Arabians invaded in 2 Chronicles 21. uh, And that's one of the, um, I guess there's two, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Number uh, three was the defeat of Amaziah in 2 Kings 14, 2 Chronicles 25, and Nebuchadnezzar in um, 586 uh, B.C. Um, most of our, um, most of the scholars in our brotherhood kind of agree with either number two or, or four. I think a, a quick study of number three will tell us it's not that one. Um, but um, again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on, um, on that because I don't think it impacts um, the, the message of Obadiah. But a couple other things about the background of the book. It is the shortest book in the Old Testament. What's the shortest book in the Bible? Okay. Any other responses? Third John. John? Uh, I think it is Third John. uh, Even uh, by number of words and number of verses um, would be uh, Third John. Judas is also a short uh, book. But... Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament. A couple other uh, things. Uh, This is one of, Obadiah is one of seven Old Testament books not directly quoted in the New Testament. Although we'll see in here there are some themes that um, basically have New Testament themes in it uh, and basically um, prophecies that have uh, eternal uh, inferences uh, in it. So we'll see that here in a little bit. This is Obadiah's a book that is not written directly to the children of Israel. Yes, it, it could be the children of Israel probably appreciate the book of Obadiah a good bit, uh, but it was it was directly addressing Edom uh, is is who it's directly addressing. but that, the fact that Obadiah is addressing Edom and what they did to the children of Israel is probably comfort to the children of Israel and encouraging to them that God sees them and, and is aware of what has happened uh, to them. But the book is not like, um, if you think of uh, some of the other uh, prophets, they were warning Israel or encouraging them to get back on the right track or... Or those kind of things. And Obadiah is not written in that way. Matter of fact, it's, it's written pretty harsh toward uh, Edom. Um, and there are several similarities here. I'm going to jump to the last point. There's similarity, a lot of similarities between Joel 3 and the book of Obadiah. And uh, there are several key words that are mentioned. We'll see this in Obadiah, but they are also mentioned in Joel 3. And we're not going to take a lot of time to read through that. But that is uh, a very interesting uh, similarity and comparison. But what I would like to do, we're going to dive into text a uh, a little bit later here in just a minute. But I would like for us to read uh, Obadiah. And then we're going to read a little bit from Jeremiah. And uh, but as we read Obadiah, it's a real short book, so don't uh, pass out that we're going to read the whole book because it's only 21 verses here. But um, but as we read it, look for those key words that um, we mentioned are from Joel 3, like uh, return, uh, your payment on your own head, uh, day of the Lord is near. It mentions, in Mount Zion, there shall be those that escape, and Zion, my holy mountain. Some of those similar phrases to Joel 3. But let's look at Obadiah uh, right now. We see, the and I'm reading now the ESV, the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If these came to you and plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed, would they not steal only enough for themselves? If great gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How has how Esau has been pillaged? his treasures sought out? All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom? and understanding of Mount Esau and your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman. So that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. forever. On that day you stood aloof. aloof. On the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though as they, they have never been. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph flame; and the house of Ebel, Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Those of the Nejib shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Cephala shall possess the land of the Philistines, They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sepharad shall possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount, rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So that gives you just an overview of um, Esau, of, me, of Obadiah. But let's turn for just a minute to Jeremiah 49, 7-16. I apologize for turning around, but sometimes I can't see up there. Um, tell you what, if someone gets to there before me, if you want to go ahead and read those verses, that would be great. 49, 7 through 16. Who has that? Well, What's interesting about reading this from Jeremiah and, and after reading Obadiah, you see so many similarities, almost exact words between the two, but they're written uh, differently. Almost the end of this passage we just read is, is like the beginning of Obadiah. Um, but it's interesting that, of course, Jeremiah is written to the children of Israel, but there's this piece in there uh, about Edom um, there that's in the middle of it. So that gives us a little bit of um, a, a background of um, Obadiah. But we keep mentioning Edom here. Um, and we see that um, Obadiah, t- verse 10, um, we, we want to give a, a little background of, okay, who is this Edom? Who is this nation of Edom? Where did they come from? Um, but we see in verse 10 because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, well, who who would the brother of Jacob be? Esau. So we know uh, then that Edom um, is another word uh, for Esau. So uh, this brings us back, I'm not trying to walk back in time, but those of you who are in um, uh, Jim and my class on Genesis here um uh, a couple quarters ago. Let's turn back to Genesis just for just a second. In Genesis chapter 36 verse 1. Um, we see these are the generations of Esau, that is, Edom. So we see here that basically the nation of Edom is the nation, all the descendants of Esau. But if we want to turn back a few more chapters to Genesis 25, um, if you remember when we were studying that in Genesis 25, when um, Rebekah uh, conceived, we see in verse 22, we're told this, the children struggled together within, within her. And she said... If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord. And the Lord said to her, notice verse 23, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And uh, just continue on just a little bit. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there are twins in her womb. The first came out red. All his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his, his name was Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when he born. So we know that we stayed the story of Jacob and Esau. Uh, the reason why I wanted to point that out and call your attention to that again is we're told back then that the two nations. Uh, would struggle. And so we here in Obadiah, we see that. We see where uh, they're continuing, even their descendants, uh, to struggle uh, right there. But Obadiah is basically a sentence here of saying, okay, Edom, that's enough. I'm going to wipe you out. Basically, I'm going to destroy you for how you treated um, your brother's uh, family, uh, how you treated your kin- kinsmen. Uh, th- that's it. The the days of your destruction are going to come to pass. But what's interesting about it, um, we mentioned that the brother came out red. Well, then, you know, later, actually in that same um, chapter in verse 34, we're we're told that he sold his uh, birthright for what? A stew. And uh, most of the time, uh, the stew was red. Um, And so um, that's interesting. But then we're uh, told uh, just this area of Edom uh, was also known as like a red country or or, um, um, red city. Uh, This area of Edom was about uh, 100 by 20 miles. It's basically long and, and skinny and it's a lot of hill country. Uh, back in this time, it was heavily wooded, and we're told throughout the scripture several times that it was, was wooded. If you went there today, it's all about being deforested um, today, but there's still a lot of uh, red rocks there. But uh, Petra, one of the uh, key cities, uh, you enter by a narrow cannon with vertical walls not more than 30 feet apart. And so I was just curious about this and and had to pull up pictures. And this I, I saw all kinds of pictures of this area, but uh, you see this particular p- uh, area, uh, picture of this area. So you have these tall uh, cannon vertical walls in this narrow spot that you walk through. So you could tell from a military standpoint how people in this area might feel confident. They might feel like nobody can beat us because you know, it wouldn't take many people to wipe out a, a big arm, army that's going through this small area. And it wouldn't take much to defend that small area. So you can see the confidence of uh, the, uh, these people and um, they're described in Obadiah as those that dwell in their lofty places, basically in the clefts of rocks. And, uh, he, but God is saying, I'm going to take you down. I don't care how strong you are. I'm going uh, to take you down. So that's, uh, kind of the description of Edom. And if you just want to remember where Edom is, you know, uh, as Neil was pointing out, we had the Northern kingdom, Southern kingdom. Edom is, is basically right below that. And if you looked in your maps of the Bible, even further, um, you basically have the Dead Sea that has one leg of it that comes, comes up, but then the other part of the Dead Sea kind of comes over and Egypt was on the other side. If you remember, the children of Israel, as they were exiting um, and they were wandering and, and those kind of things, they wanted to pass through this area. It wasn't the only area they wanted to pass through. They wanted to pass through the area of Moab as well. Um, and uh, none of these people would let them through. Edom wouldn't let them through. But if you remember uh, in history, later on God's uh, people had vengeance on some of those that wouldn't let them pass through but we're never told about um, vengeance being come on Edom. Um, remember Edom is Esau and so it's Esau's family. so these are just dis- our, Kinsmen of the children of, of Israel. So, another thing I wanted to, oh boy, that's kind of small. <laughs> A couple things I wanted to point out is that uh, God gave uh, the children of Esau this land. And there are several times that God even said, don't attack your brothers. Um, And so it's interesting as um, God uh, was giving the promised land to his people, they knew they were going to be given this land, and so they were going to conquer different groups as they went through the land, but Edom, or Esau's family, was one area that uh, they were told not uh, to attack. Um, Deuteronomy 2, 4, and 5, and it's hard for me to read uh, that. That's, um, he was said, hey, I'm not even going to give you one, don't even look at the land. I'm not going to give you uh, any of that. Deuteronomy 23, 7, you shall not abhor an Edomite for he is your brother. So uh, God told him uh, those things. But later, David conquered Edom in 2 Samuel uh, 8, 14, so he uh, conquered some of those uh, people. Uh, And then also another prophecy against Edom was found in Ezekiel uh, 35. So that, I just wanted to give you a little background of Edom, not to take us off course too much, but hopefully you understand who this is being written to. So it's basically Israel's kinsmen, but they've done Israel wrong now, and God is going to take out vengeance against them. He's going to wipe them out. They're prideful. Because of what they've done, they feel like they're strong, they can't be um, overcome, but God is telling them through Obadiah that we're going to take you out. So let's just dive uh, into the text here, verses 1 through 4. As as we look at uh, the text, we know that this is a vision of Obadiah. He's saying those things, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Uh, he basically tells them in verse 2 Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. But notice verse 3. What's the first reason for Edom's coming destruction? Pride. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty de- uh, dwelling, you who say in your heart, Who will bring me down? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. I tell you, if you read that Ezekiel prophecy against Edom as well, in reading this, it makes me shudder to think if God said that to me or to the nation I was part of. It, I mean, to say, I don't care who you are how strong you are, Um, I'm going to take you down, is basically what God is saying. Uh, So he's declaring this. He's telling them uh, these things. And so they dwell in in this hill country. Uh, It's easy to defend. Uh, There's a stronghold there. Uh, But God is saying, I'm going to take you down. Now notice verses 5 through 9. Let's notice... um, you know, we read this also in Jeremiah, this thought, basically, if thieves come into you, they're going to take what they want. In other words, if thieves break into your house, they may steal the TV or they may be after certain things, but they're not going to take everything. They're just going to take what they want. They're not going to take the stuff, uh, they might not take the Bibles off your shelf or, or those kind of things. They're probably not going to take your underwear, but they're going to take the things that they want. Uh, and that's basically what he's describing here. If your grape gatherers come to you, how would they not leave gleanings? In other words, they're going to steal the prime grapes. They're not going to steal everything. But his point is, Esau, when I take you down, I'm going to take everything. I'm going to pillage you. Uh, I'm going to take everything. Now, Edom, Esau here had had made different allies. And basically those allies were probably over trade, uh, were probably over stronghold. But basically when Jerusalem was invaded, it wasn't Edom that was invading them. But it wasn't Edom that was stopping them either. And we'll see that. Because of what they've done, basically God's saying, watch out. Those that you think are your enemies and your allies, even they're going to turn against you. They're going to take everything from you. Verse 7, those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Basically, you don't have a clue this is about to happen to you. Um, Your allies are going to uh, basically attack you. So let's look at 10 through 16. 10 through 16. So then we have uh, these things where uh, God basically says the, the second reason for destruction. And verse 10 right off the bat says it. What's the second reason why they're going to be destroyed? How, how you treated your brother. Basically, because you treated your kinsmen this way, Because you treated your brother this way, I'm going to take you down. Is basically um, that. Um, End of verse 10, you shall be cut off forever. But notice this progression. Notice this progression in verse 11. Here's what happened. Jerusalem was invaded. And how did Edom react? Well, they weren't the attacking nation, but notice what they did. Verse 11, on the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. Basically, they stood by. They knew what was happening. Their brother was getting attacked. Their kinsmen were getting attacked. And they stood back. They stood aloof. But notice the progression here. They went from standing aloof to verse twelve, but do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Ruin. Do not boast in the day of their distress. So they went from standing aloof to basically laughing at him, gloating. Ah, oh, look at Israel. Look at Jerusalem. They're they're getting attacked here. They're um, they're gloating over this. They're laughing at their uh, brother that's being attacked, and they're, number one, not doing anything about it, but second, they're laughing and gloating over it. But then notice verse 13. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their uh, calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of uh, his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. So they went from being aloof to basically gloating over it to then entering into the city and taking the loot for themselves. They, so they were just like the enemies. Now they're entering into Jerusalem and they're taking some of those things for themselves. But then it gets worse. Notice verse 14. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his, his fugitives. So as people were fleeing the city of Jerusalem trying to get away, Edom was cutting them off and say, hey, you can't uh, flee through here and allowing the enemies to come and uh, kill more uh, Israelites and take them captive. And then notice the next part of that verse. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. So they go from standing aloof to gloating to then entering the city and looting to then cutting off any survivors And then the ones even capturing them and handing them back over to the enemy. So you see why God is so upset. He's upset because of what they have done uh, to God's people. So so then notice verse 15, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. Basically, your chickens are coming home to roost is what, what he's saying. And, um, and that's basically the way he sums up in verses 10 through 16. So then notice 17 through 20. There is some positive here. Um, all this has been warning about Edom. But then notice the part that the children of Israel... Uh, would be where God's people would be take peace and comfort in reading Obadiah. But this is verse 17. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy. In the house of Jacob, who's Jacob? That's their kinsman. The house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. In other words, God's people are going to keep on. They're going to be okay. Uh, I'm going to watch over them. Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape. Verse 18, the house of Jacob shall be a fire. In the house of Joseph, a flame. In the house of Esau, stubble. They're going to be destroyed. The end of verse 18, there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Then if you notice the end, uh, verse 21, uh, we're told, "Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So I know I'm pushing forward, but... What practical lessons can we learn? That's the basic story of, uh, of Esau. Uh, what practical lessons can we learn? And we'll go through these uh, kind of quickly. First of all, pride is deceptive and dangerous. I think that's the overall message of Obadiah. And we need to gather that. Um, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16:18. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. 1 uh, John 2:15 through 17 warns us of that, warns us of the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of the God abides forever. If you look at that verse there, That's almost a summary of Obadiah. You know, those who have pride are going to be taken down, but the kingdom of God is going to last forever, and that's kind of the message of Obadiah here. So another practical lesson is no matter how strong a nation appears, it can be brought down by God. Now, I, I don't want to get too political here, But we're told several verses where God has a hand in the kingdoms of men. Where he's allowed certain leaders to be be in the kingdoms of men. And I don't quite understand how that works. There's things about that that bother me. And I, I don't quite understand. All I can say is God's wisdom is better than our wisdom. But sometimes God's people thrive even under persecution. Sometimes the church is stronger even under persecution. Sometimes even in COVID situations, God's people have have come strong and have uh, 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 been persevered. But Daniel 4.25, Nebuchadnezzar was told that he would go through those things until he knew that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. We need to make sure we understand and make sure that, you know, I'm very patriotic and I was raised very patriotic. But we can't be prideful to think that we can't fall here in the United States of America. We need to be uh, faithful to God and not be so haughty that we're like uh, Edom uh, there. Another practical lesson, God sees what happens to his people it must have been comforting to the children of Israel to say, yes, we, look what our, our brothers, our kinsmen did to us, but you know what? God saw it, and he took a vengeance on it. Proverbs 15:3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And we can take comfort on that. Sometimes we take our lumps as Christians, and we'll suffer persecution, but we need to take comfort that God sees all, and it's going to work out in the end. Some other practical lessons. Uh, vengeance on sin will be taken by God. If you turn, uh, we won't take the time to, uh, tonight, but Malachi 1, 2 through 5, if, if you want to write that down, basically if you read Malachi 1, you'll see that Edom was destroyed. Malachi 1, sometime between the book of Obadiah and Malachi when that was written, uh, Edom was totally destroyed. And um, and so this prophecy that was prophesied by Obadiah took place. And so we can take uh, note that vengeance will be taken out on sin by God. Another thing, God cares how we treat others. Proverbs 17.5 says, Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. It's difficult sometimes to not, when we see uh, our enemies or those that strive against us, suffer. It's, it's difficult sometimes for us, at least it is for me, to not be a little happy about it. They got a little bit of taste of their messing. But that's exactly what Edom was doing here. And God took vengeance on them so we need to make sure we don't gloat uh, about things and we need to make sure we treat others uh, right we should not gloat over the misfortune of others Proverbs 25 17 do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles and a couple of two more practical lessons here and we'll close we reap what we sow Uh, there's several passages on that that's what happened here with, with Edom. They reap what they sow. Their chickens came home to roost. Uh, the way it was uh, said here is that uh, your deeds shall return on your own head. There, it, what goes around comes around there. And that, that's said throughout um, the New Testament as well. And we, as a bottom line, we need to remember the golden rule. And then finally... Uh, The last point here is that we can take comfort that God's kingdom will stand in the end. And I think that's how the book of Obadiah ends, is taking comfort that those in Mount Zion will still stand. Israel will possess its own uh, possessions. Uh, At the very end of the book, the last words are, And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. You know, no matter what happens in our lifetime, um, you know United States could fall. Uh, terrible things could happen. Terrible things could happen to you and to me and to our families. But no matter what happens, God's kingdom is going to stand. It's going to stand forever. And if you don't remember anything from the book of Obadiah, remember that. And so it's our responsibility to be part of God's kingdom. Thank you for your attention and have a good rest of the week.